Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Sports Shorts. That's Ross over there. Dan will be joining us shortly, I assume. Um, let's get right into it. It's it's a tough one this morning, everyone. Um, the New York Jets lost. I don't even know the final score. It was probably twenty-seven to six. I think it was twenty-seven to six the last time I looked to the Chargers. Big important game too, and it's you know over the course of the weekend, the context is the Jets were four and three. Everything went right for them. The Dolphins lost, the Patriots lost, the Bills lost. Everybody lost to the point where if the Jets won that game against an okay Chargers team, not great, uh, the defense is pretty terrible, but to the point where if the Jets win this game on Monday Night Football at home in front of their own fans under the lights, do I need to keep adding precursors? If they do this, they'd go within a half game of first place, a half game of the vaunted Miami Dolphins, the team that can only beat teams with losing records. If they lose, then actually that would, I guess, count as a, the Dolphins beating a team with a 500 record if they if the Jets lose. Anyway, the point is the Jets lost. Here's why they lost. The defense played amazing. But all you have to do when you're the Jets offense, don't turn the ball over and don't fuck up on special teams, your special teams. And what do they do within the first five minutes of the game? They give up a punt return, and they fumble the ball. So just sloppy. The offense was the real problem yesterday. The defense, as usual, were great. They did their job. They kept the game close until the very end, but there's only so much you can do when the Jets can't stop fumbling the ball. All right, so here's where I'm frustrated. We're talking New York Jets general manager, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas has been on the job for four years now. He's presided over a couple of drafts. The only draft that he hit on was one where he had three first-round picks. And you better fucking hope if you have three first-round picks, you're going to at least get some workable players out of that. If you need three first-round picks in order to have a halfway decent draft, you're probably not a good GM. And if you're a GM who bases your entire team-building strategy on the draft and that's what you're coming back with, I, at this point, I just don't know. It just seems wasteful. I, I don't think he's a good general manager. I've had that feeling for a little while. He definitely, he gives his players that he drafted too many chances. The Jets have had a million opportunities to extend Bryce Huff, who was at another incredible game last night and is, has one of the highest pressure rates in the entire NFL. The Jets have had a million opportunities to extend Bryce Huff. Now Bryce Huff is going to get paid $30 million a year. The Jets just are not probably not going to be able to afford that. The whole thing, he's just not a good general manager. Bryce Huff wasn't his premium one of one of his premium draft picks, so he spent years trying to replace him and now they just realize that he's their best pass rusher besides Quinn and Williams. So I've tangented here. The point is at this particular juncture, Joe Douglas is should be on the hot seat. It should be time to start looking at his job status this offseason. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett who is Aaron Rodgers' best friend. And clearly now it's very obvious they brought in Nathaniel Hackett because they wanted to get Aaron Rodgers. All well and good. That's fine. Nathaniel Hackett is absolutely just one of the most unoriginal and worst play callers I've ever seen. Every single play last night. So here are the two things the Chargers do well. The Chargers get good pressure on dropbacks. You know, when you're taking a five-step drop and you're going to be hanging in the pocket for a few seconds slip plays develop downfield they're very good at getting pressure in those situations and they're very good at stopping the run what did the jets do last night 
they came out and just a million five-step drops, a million Zach Wilson's holding the ball for a long time. All these plays are developing deep downfield. And then they just tried to run it up the gut. No creativity, no originality. They fired LaFleur because apparently he was the reason last season the offense was broken. He's not the fucking reason the offense was broken. It was obvious at the time. At least LaFleur was trying to do creative shit to work around the fact that Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback in the league. But now we have Nathaniel Hackett, who, by the way, his favorite movie, Ross, his favorite movie is Austin Powers' Gold Member. Okay? Yeah, Goldstone, yeah. So this guy cannot come up with an original play call, and his favorite movie is a fucking rehash of two other Mike Myers' Austin Powers movies. I mean, that movie... That movie sucks. It only exists as a vehicle to repeat the funny jokes from Austin Powers 1 and 2. And that's his favorite movie. At least pick something like So I Married an Axe Murderer. Funny movie with the, you know, Scottish dad. Have you seen that? No, I didn't think we were going to go there either. Yeah, I didn't prepare you at all. Yeah, Mike Myers plays, uh, he does Mike Myers things, but he plays his Scottish dad and he's very funny. There's like a Scottish wall of fame with just ridiculous... uh, I'll, you know what? We're not going to get into that now because I can't even claim who's on the Scottish Wall of Fame, but it's very funny. The point is terrible, unoriginal movie, terrible, unoriginal play calling. But what can they do? Because you got Rodgers next season and Rodgers is going to be wannabe with his BFF um, offensive coordinator. So you can't fire him. So what the fuck do you do if you're the Jets? Sala just refuse. It's there's so much to get into. I don't want to criticize Robert Sala too much because you're really, as a coach, you're only as good as the players you have. And those offensive players all suck. But it is time to bench Zach Wilson because it's just too toxic at this point. It's not fair to him to keep running him out there either in these situations. And even the last two weeks, really, aside from two quarters in the game against Kansas City, he's been pretty much the same quarterback we've been used to this season. So the guy we knew before, the guy who's been making the same mistakes since his rookie year. So it's just not really fair to keep sending him out there. At this point, we know who he is. The defense has been unbelievable and has won them single-handedly multiple games this season. And that's really all it comes down to. That's why the Jets are four and four. Now, if you told me four and four at the beginning of the season, what's crazy is I would have taken that. So even with Rodgers. So it is very odd. Uh, They do have a soft schedule, so there's still hope. But tonight was a good opportunity against a not great team. So anyway, rant over. Ross, what are your thoughts? Did you watch? Did you... Did you see any of our game? I mean, I wouldn't I did, blame you if you didn't watch it. No, I did, I did. I did watch the entire thing when I got up this morning, and it was, you know, I, I can obviously understand a lot of your your frustrations watching that as a Jets fan. But it's just, it's just for me, it was just watching that, and it was just mistake after mistake after mistake. But even for, you know, on defense and special teams, and on offense as well, you know, just like silly penalties, like Lazard got done, I think two or three times for for holding or for illegal blocks in the back, and he was. One of the things that Rogers has always said that Lazar's been really good at was his downfield blocking, and he's you know he always said he's one of the best wide receivers for blocking in the league, and yet he was making mistakes last night, and they just there isn't a couple of weeks ago I thought they were still trying to work Bryce you know Brees Hall back in, Brees Hall's back in like why why are you still sort of you know I, I think he maybe finished on fifty odd yards yesterday and you know his his yards per carry was you know wasn't great or whatever but I just think. I think you need to keep going with a back like him because I think he sort of, you know, he builds up and he builds up and he builds up. And I think he would have, you know, obviously by the time you're down sort of 14 points, maybe the running game isn't the thing to go to, but they just, they they seem to get away from it. But if you've got a quarterback like Zach Wilson, why are you desperate to throw the ball? You know, like even if the running game is going to be 
what's stronger then you've just got to go with it if it's going to be what's going to help you get points and you just you know you've, you've got to go with it and you've got to try and move the ball because you, you know they, they had to do something and they were just they were just doing nothing but it's a form of torture you, you can't really yeah you, you know you, you sort of you're saying Salah's done a really good job of the defense and they you know they're, they're they are so good you know they've got like we've said this before they've got multiple guys that sort of rotate in and out and they do do a really good job you know Herbert finished with like under 180 yards or something like that. He's, you know, his passing stats were pretty poor as well. And he wasn't really a threat. No. And late in the game, the Jets let them march down the field. Like there were a few plays that maybe could have been, but the problem was it felt like last night, unless the defense was going to score a touchdown themselves, nothing was going to happen for the Jets. And that's really how it went. I mean, you saw Michael Clemens, uh, Herbert fumbled. But instead of just diving on it, Michael Clemens tried to scoop it and run. And now everybody was criticizing that play. But it was at the 20-yard line thereabouts. If he dives on that, okay, cool. The Jets have a red zone opportunity or the fucking gold zone, as Nathaniel Hackett calls it. (laughs) But what have they done with those all night? All they've done is go backwards. So I just, I can't really blame Michael Clemens. I know it's not technically a good football play but I can't really blame Michael Clemens for trying to scoop and score there. And Herbert actually was able to reach his arm out and get the ball back because Michael Clemens was trying to scoop it up. But yeah, I wouldn't, you know, yeah, they're I'm, trying I'm, to make I'm, something happen. Yeah. So what happens? He dives on it and we lose by, you know, 10 instead of whatever we lost or we lose by. Yeah, so, yeah, so maybe like, maybe we would have got another field goal and added to it, but it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Or go backwards out of field goal range as they've also done this, that night. Yeah. So but I think I think that one of the big problems with Zach Wilson last night was as well. And obviously I know this relies on obviously his receivers needing to get open and stuff, but he just holds on to the ball for far too long. And so but this has been this has been over his entire career. I feel like sometimes he's just I don't know if he's waiting for something to open up or he's waiting to think, you know, someone's gonna get open or what, but he drops back and he drops back and he drops back. And then he's sacked for like a you know, 12, 13, 15 yard loss. Whereas if he'd have just, you know, thrown it into the ground at the foot of his receiver but when nothing opened up to start with, you know, you're second and 10 and you go again, but then you're all of a sudden you're second and 23 and a difficult job has become like more than, you know, double, double as difficult as it was before. And he just, it just seems to make things difficult on himself, which is, yeah, I mean, as, just as a, just as a neutral watching that, thinking it's just frustrating to watch because you can see it coming and you think, obviously I know I'm watching on the TV, but you think if I can see it coming, like he should as a quarterback and someone who's, a, you know, second pick in the draft he should be able to see that like he should he should be able to know that he can't be holding on to the ball for that long so yeah it's, it was it was very frustrating to watch I thought that game would be closer last night but yeah it wasn't it wasn't close at all and the Chargers weren't even good but they were yeah. the Jets were just abysmal anytime they threw downfield too it did seem like guys were open and when they'd show the camera angles downfield there'd be two or three guys open in coverage like the Chargers secondary stinks the Jets should have been able to pick on them and What's frustrating is Zach Wilson has like an A plus arm. Like he is an elite arm. His brain is just not, I think his brain's the main problem. But also it seems like he is coached to not take any unnecessary risks, which I sort yeah. of get as well, because, you know, unless a guy's open, don't throw it, blah, blah, blah. But at, the, at a certain point in the NFL, you have to be able to throw guys open. You have to be it's able fun. to I think he, play, he plays not to turn it over, but there, yeah. there does come a point where you've got to, you know, you've got to be a little bit more, more aggressive because otherwise you go nowhere. You know, and it's, and, it's no good. It's no good, sort of holding on to it for a wet time, thinking, no, he's not quite open. He's not quite open. Like that, you know, the gaps to throw in the NFL are smaller, but you, you have to go for it at some point. Otherwise, you're just going to keep, you know, to keep dropping back, and you all of a sudden you've lost 15 yards on a sack. So, 
But yeah, I mean, I think this is who he is. He's not going to change, is he? So he's not going to. No. It's year three. You know, he's, this it's is, not going to change. Yeah. He yeah. had multiple. Like, what's frustrating is some of the throws he made in the Kansas City game were some of the best throws you'll see all season. That's what's frustrating about Zach Wilson is he has that ability. But if you're a rookie and you're showing those flashes, that's something to get excited over. But if you're a third year quarterback and you're only showing, you're still only showing those flashes, then it's time to move on. Um, yeah. And I think with that, it's time to move on from the Jets. They still have a pretty decent shot at the AFC East because it seems like nobody wants to win it. You know, the Dolphins can't beat good teams and the Bills just are looking like a full-on collapse at the moment too. So I'm not, it's just, you look at it, you say, yes, on paper, the Jets have a chance. The problem is when you watch them play, it's just, do they really have a chance with that offense? And I don't think they do. Um you know, unless they can start converting in the gold zone. Uh, on I know, I know there, there is all that saying there is defense wins championships, but you have to have some offense to back it up. And they just, they just don't. You have to be able to do something like you can't yeah. just get, you can't just go out there and score six points and expect your defense to win you the game. That's not, I mean, good. it would, you know, if they could, that would be amazing, but it's yeah. not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, onto the giants. Uh, the Raiders fired Josh McDaniels and the giants were the unfortunate, uh, recipients of the ensuing new coach bump uh ross did you uh, what tell us what happened yeah just another just another disappointing <laughs> disappointing lackluster performance unfortunately and what he daniel jones going down quite early i mean even when he came into the game he had a, his first throw he sort of threw it about 15 yards over saquon barkley's head on the sideline i thought that looked a bit odd and then yeah he, he, he there was Again, pressure on him up the middle in the pocket and he moved and then he fell over and he seemed to sort of, he seemed to knock one knee into the other. Then he got back up and he thought, oh, he's okay. And then a couple of dropbacks later, he just went down on a, on a drop back. He's sort of taking a five-step drop and then he just fell over and you thought, no, this isn't good. And then we were back to having, you know, Mr. DeVito back in the game and I thought, well, that's it. That's <laughs> it. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, fair play to the Raiders. They came up, they came out fired up and they just seemed to, just like the whole atmosphere with them seems to have been lifted and yeah Antonio Pierce is a bit of a is a bit of a Giants legend so of all the people to do it I, I was pleased for him but obviously I'm not pleased watching the Giants get spanked by sort of 20 26 points or whatever it was again but yeah that's it <laughs> this that's that's got to be the uh the Daniel Jones experiment over now before it's even it's even really got off the ground so he's just you know similar to what you said about Zach Wilson you can you can see flashes in Jones's game sometimes and you think he's definitely got a workable skill set but like it must be the same as with Wilson like in the mind it's just not there you know you can go back over his career and like, you know we had a good season last year and he was part of the reason that we were good I mean his, his stats weren't huge you know he wasn't he certainly was never going to be in the MVP race or anything like that but he was consistent he wasn't turning the ball over and he was doing enough to help us win games whereas this season I think he's finishing on two touchdown passes and six interceptions and a couple of fumbles as well so he sort of regressed again which I you know I, I just don't I don't understand but you know as much as I've said a lot that our offensive line's a problem he's he's a big part of that problem as well and a bit like Wilson he holds on to the ball for too long and he just doesn't he just doesn't seem to have it but you know for every if you look back over his career for every one good game he's had you think oh yeah this guy's got something he's, you know, he's got five bad games and there's just too much there's just too much negative on film now it's just yeah, I, I, yeah. So now it just looks like it's going to be, you know, Tyrod Taylor's an IR as well. Whether they bring him back or not, I don't know. But and I, I hate being that fan that's sitting there going, 
you know, I've got friends that do it and they sort of get sort and they're like, oh, you know, I want to, I've got Patriots, sorry, friends that are Patriots fans and they're cheering for losses every week. And, I, you know, I, I don't like, I don't like to be that. Obviously, you, you play to win and, you know, you want to win the games. But, you know, I know that the best thing for the Giants now is just is just to lose out. And that's, and that's you know, that is that is quite depressing. It's not fun to watch a team, you know, the team that you follow and the team that you support watch, watching them every week just lose. But actually for the franchise, in terms of their long-term future, it's, it's probably the best thing because there's a few teams that are going to need quarterbacks at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, what you don't want is, you know, only of course he did it years ago when he traded up for Manning, but he had to give up a lot to go up those three spots and swap Rivers for Manning. And, you know, if you have to do it and it worked out and stuff, if you have to do it, then great. But what you, ideally, what you don't want is just be in a spot where you can just pick your quarterback and you haven't got to give up loads of capital to, you know, to do it. But if you get that guy, if you do get that guy and if you get that long-term quarterback, it doesn't really matter what given up because that's more important than anything but um yeah so now i'm gonna what you know we're we've got the cowboys this week at the moment the line's 16 and a half and um yeah i would i mean i'm not gonna bet on the cowboys to beat us by 16 and a half but i wouldn't i wouldn't um mind i wouldn't feel uh, uncomfortable putting that kind of money on the cowboys to sort of beat us by 40 again like they did on the in week one season so yeah, it's really disappointing. I've said before, I kind of expected a bit of a, a step back this year, but I didn't. I didn't expect things to be this bad. And obviously now, Jones is out for the year with that torn ACL. This is probably his Giants' career over, and we're going for a, another another reset. So yeah, pretty pretty disappointing all round. And we're only at the halfway point of the season, so that's great. He can uh, Daniel Jones can uh, cry into the piles and piles of Mara family cash he still is going to be owed over the next few years. Yeah, so. was it, well, that's, I don't really know what happens next year as well because the way his contract, I don't fully understand his contract, but the way I've, the way I've read it is his contract, He's he's got 35 million fully guaranteed next year. Which, you got a big dead cap hit if you cut him. You can't yeah, cut him. He's going to he's gonna be on the roster. And well, even if you draft ca- a quarterback, I, mean, they, I don't know. The, yeah. the, their, their cap situation next year is pretty good. So then we've got, you know, the Giants have got some space to work with next year. But that's a huge one to work with. That's a really big one to work with. Plus the fact, that obviously, if even if you cut him next year, you, that thirty-five million is dead. Plus it'll accelerate the other two years of the bonus into that year as well because you've cut him at that point. So, but then it's almost like we can, you almost just better just taking that hit then and just being done as opposed to having him and whatever you know whatever rookie you draft as well like them. You know, all the questions during training camp and if the rookie's having a couple of bad games as Jones come back in, like, do you want that sitting there the whole season sort of having it lingering over you? But, you know, general managers know how to work the cap and there'll be a way to do it if they really want to do it. But I think if you're going to bring in, if you're going to bring in, a, you know, a rookie, which is looking like they will, I think you just need to get rid of Jones. And just you just got to start again. But that's easy to say because you have got the cap ramifications as well. And cutting someone one year into a $160 million contract isn't an easy thing to do, but... I just don't see any benefit to keeping him around. I just think just leaving that hanging there is a bad idea, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I don't think they'll, I don't think they can cut him. I think I was reading it. To, I mean, he'll be on the roster in some way, shape or form. Uh, you guys are right now, if I were to go and check the uh, tankathon, I think you guys are in for the fourth pick. I saw I'm I think, looking right yeah, now. I think that's yeah, right, yeah. Fourth pick. Um, by the way, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, so Arizona first overall right now, Chicago second, Chicago third. So Chicago is going to draft a quarterback and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, or they'll just take two skill players and probably trade down one of those picks. And I mean, Chicago, terrible team. But as far as like draft right now, they're in a really great spot because 
if they do decide to roll with Justin Fields, uh, they'll be able to just trade one of those picks down for somebody that wants a quarterback. Um, on Thursday night, you've got Chicago against the Bears, so that's going to change things a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean... Because in theory, someone's got to win that game. Yeah. Chicago, or, yeah, Carolina is down. Yeah, because they have Carolina's pick. Man, yeah. they're in a good spot. Hey, uh, we are now joined by Dan. Dan, right at hey. the tail end of Giants time. Uh, I know. So... Sorry about that, guys. It's uh, it's election day here in the States. And... It's election day here, too. Yes, and we uh, I have uh, my stepson home today, and I got distracted by a good old football toss that I completely lost track of time over. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait a second. Crap. So I apologize. <laughs> Everybody is absolutely irresponsible. I've been out of it all day today. I was actually nice getting outside to get some fresh air. I was just trying to move around a bit because I've had a stomach bug all day. So so hopefully, like, hoping that getting some fresh air would help. Uh, remains in your seat. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Ross pretty much covered most of it. Uh, it. Basically, if I were to summarize, it would be shit. Um, Giants legend gives speech. Raiders happy. I don't know. I'm just going. I'm... No, I'm a big fan. Listen, yeah, no, that, that was. That I, was I, I said much, this. Yeah. I sent this in 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 our text too. Like, if there was a way to lose, I would have picked that way to lose. I mean, we lost because Antonio Pierce, our boy, uses our maybe our favorite Giants team ever, the 2007 Giants, to rile up yeah. his Raiders locker room. Gets that whiny little bitch McDaniels fired because of it, who nobody fucking liked. So he can go back and he can hide under Bill Belichick's fucking fucking uh, umbrella a little bit more. And then he goes out and the players take that and they, they kick the crap out of a completely shitty football team. Um, if there's a way to lose, I think that's a pretty good way to lose. We're talking about at a conference. You know, no, we have no real rivalry with the Raiders. You know, I mean, hell, I hope Antonio Pierce does awesome and gets that job. And, you know, yeah, those guys too. really buy into him, you know. So it is anyway. really funny that because uh, McDaniels, it, it it's so fun. some of the fans up here hate McDaniels. And by up here, I mean Boston. And some of them love him. But it is genuinely funny that he was just like, don't talk about the fucking Patriots like that. Yeah. Pierce. Don't you dare speak about the Patriots <laughs> like that. Shut up. Shut your goddamn damn mouth you little son of a bitch shut your fucking trap oh I, I, I that really got me irked up i'm like how do you what your freaking coach just got your whole team pumped up and that's your response oh you are such a tool and i'm so happy he got fired because i'm so happy mark davis made that decision and, and read the rock locker room correct correctly yeah i, 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 I didn't um, i didn't enjoy watching those scenes and just that and now it, it, it was cool yeah, I mean, I, I know we sucked. I've I, I reserved to the fact that Steve sucks is not making the playoffs. Um, and I'm and once and then Jones going down, I'm like, well, you know, that sounds about right. Let's just put the nail in the season. Now we have a, a reason to kind of not win anymore. We have an excuse to not win anymore. We probably had an excuse to not win anymore before that. Um, and then time. here we and then here we go. So now, so now we're at this point where AP's in charge of the Raiders, and now he can go possibly ruin the new Patriots. Candace and for the division. Fortunately, Jared was not here to hear that bold prediction. But um <laughs> so that's that's one thing. And then two, it's just, you know, now the Giants can start thinking about the draft. And I'm not firmly I'm not firmly in the boat of taking a quarterback if the quarterback's not there at four. 
because this team needs so much help everywhere. Like I'm okay with taking an edge rusher. I'm okay with taking a offensive lineman because even you get the quarterback, the quarterback's not going to be standing next year while they're playing. He's still going to get clobbered by this crap offensive line. So I'm almost okay with taking uh, some sort of lineman in the first round and then have two second round picks now, you know, or you could package them and try to trade up. If they really like one of the quarterbacks, then package that second round pick in there and trade up and make sure you get the quarterback. But, you know, I mean, I'm taking, I would, I prefer May over Caleb Young. I don't like Caleb Young. I don't like USC quarterbacks. And he is of reeks of USC quarterback, Caleb Young. There's just nothing there is to it. But there is, yeah, he just does. He's got those happy feet. Even harder than some of the more recent. Yeah. And then he just, he's, he, uh, um, anyway, so, and then the second round, you can address maybe, maybe address a quarterback or a running back in the second round and you take a flyer in a quarterback. Maybe in the second round, you, you look at someone like, um, Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State at running back or Kyle Manungai from Rutgers at running back to come on, to come out and, uh, you know, let you walk on leaves, you know, because Saquon's gone after this. There's no reason to sign him after this season. It was an absolute ridiculous business move to sign him at this point. Like this was kind of like, okay, well, you play our franchise this year. And if we really are for real, then we'll give you the contract next year. This team's not for real. It's time to let, Sa- it's time to let Saquon move on so he can go win a Super Bowl possibly somewhere. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, Actually, Dan, really quick, have you ever seen the numbers on drafting a quarterback, though, outside the top 16 picks? So quarterbacks drafted within the first 16 picks have like a 25% hit rate where they end up being good, like top 10 at some point in their career, that sort of thing. Well, that makes sense because that's usually where teams draft quarterbacks. Outside the top 16 picks, it's like less than 1% make it. So it's sort of like those guys- so many. Tons of garbage guys. I mean, you're you're drafting third string quarterbacks in the sixth and seventh round. So of course it's going to be stacked that way. Well, and I, I know it seems like two plus two equals four, but the point is if you have one of those high picks, you really should be taking a shot on a quarterback is basically with the way the modern NFL works. It's worth the risk more than it's worth, you know, taking an edge rusher. Well, edge rusher, I can, because at least they're game records on defense, but you know, you shouldn't take a defensive tackle that high <laughs> no, they, not defensive tackle no 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 edge rusher offensive tackle quarterback those are your only positions you're allowed to use top five picks i put quarterback way. above those two those are everything else is in the tier or sauce gardener um anyway let's move on um we don't need to talk about the giants and we don't we can get more into the draft as we get closer to it it's way too early to be talking about the draft in the NFL season, no, I'm sorry. You, no, you say no it's not. We're Giants and Jets fans. <laughs> it's never too early to talk. It's about usually, the when you're it's a usually right Jets about. Fan. It's usually a couple of weeks ago or right about now. Um, yeah, is Daniel Jones the uh, Manuel Lanzini of the NFL at this point? You know, one good game for every five bad ones, and then an ACL injury. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But pretty much. I don't think that, he's ever. He's never the starting quarterback in his team. He'll always have that goal against Spurs. Um, just <laughs> we'll always have that playoff win against the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, moving on, let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's give, let's give Jared a little bit of lip service. Um, predictably Miami who can't be good teams lost 14 to 21 in Frankfurt against the chiefs, uh, Frankfurt. Now, if you are the rare West Ham Miami fan, that stadium is now a house of horrors for you officially. So, I think Tyreek Hill fumbled it in the same spot where Aaron Cresswell got his red card. So there we are. <laughs> um, and 
Yeah, I mean, at, to be fair, Miami didn't look like they were in this one at all, and they did stage a little bit of a comeback, but ultimately um, Chiefs won. They continue to be one of the dominant teams. They're pretty much now on their way to getting a bye week. Now, if you asked our uh, often co-host Jared Erickson, he would tell you that it's the worst shit he's ever seen, and he's so angry. So <laughs> I think that guy spends more time complaining about a 7-2 and two team than we do about our, you know, perpetual top five in the draft teams. Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing to complain about with the chiefs at all. I mean, great teams win ugly too. And exactly. It wasn't even necessarily winning ugly. I was just pouncing out to an early lead and doing what you had to do to see it out almost, you know, I Um, can't count how many during the Patriots run. I mean, they would, they, the Patriots were the Kings of winning ugly games that the fans would all get on sports radio afterwards and be like, it's not good enough. They're not dominant enough. They want to win the Super Bowl. But do you want and then to risk go and win the Super Bowl? Do you yeah, want to risk I, injury in a regular season when you don't need to in a situation? You don't need you don't need Patrick Mahomes to be dominant when the game's in hand. You need to be dominant in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh good good atmosphere in Frankfurt. One of the refs uh called the gate called an offside or a false start in German, which made me laugh. Uh, but then I don't think he knew how to say offside in German, so he just said offsides. It's it's funny because whenever I watch Bundesliga games, like I watch, I'm like, man, it really is like almost like a SEC NFL sort of vibe in these German soccer matches. Whereas like when you watch like in English, it's in these older grounds in England, you kind of get closer like to like that a bunch of angry baseball fans vibe. <laughs> and uh, I think that really does translate to the NFL in Germany, man. They really get into it, man. Well, you know, we were going to talk West Ham first, but uh, let's just, if we're talking angry games, let's just jump right into uh, Tottenham and Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, Jackson had a hat trick. Uh, yeah. Tottenham had take your two fucking red. Hat trick. Take your hat trick, Jackson. <laughs> shove it right up your ass. Talk it was a pretty. It was off a, your fucking badge. Fuck off. It was a pretty insane uh, first half. I mean, Spurs scored in the first six minutes. Maybe the the, the craziest first half I've ever watched. Since been Udogi, Udogi got a yellow card that should have been a red right off the bat there. Um, and then Chelsea had a goal overturned. Uh, for And then VAR challenge. So then Chelsea. There were three VAR reviews there were th- one well, VAR review. Before the VAR review, too. There were two goals ruled out. Uh, Spurs had one for offside. Chelsea had one right. for offside. Right. Um, and the Chelsea one, I it, yeah. And then Chelsea scored a goal that was offside, but there was also two potential penalties in there, and it was just absolutely it was a handball. It was freaking. I mean, absolutely, it was a handball goal rule. It was just bad. The first thing was bad. so this is like, and the Pete commentators Barclays. were kind of saying it best. They were saying that, and I forget who who it was who was doing it here. Saying, "Listen, do you want the game to be called accurately now?" This is what it is. You're going to get a two a two hour plus match of football, and it's going to take a half an hour longer than the ninety minutes that are expected. So they they really nailed it. If that's what we want as 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 soccer fans, then so be. I want it to be done right. I wish to tech like how is there not like I'm gonna even if you like this. Is, I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting more into the Arsenal debacle, but you know how is there not like cameras along the touchline yet that can just make that call right away? How have we not? gotten that technology you could put them right in the goalposts if you needed to and had them pointing down each direction to, to you know to help with those with those, some of these calls i think it's that it takes so, so long i like getting it right it has to be quicker done quicker it should not take this long i think and i think that's so the big consistent. problem as much as i as much as i want it to be right it takes far too long 
But then as well, the, pro- the big problem is that, you know, we've discussed things on here before, and, you know, you want to talk about that Newcastle-Arsenal game. I think Joe Linton fouled the defender, and I, I think, think he the did ball too. But I can't, I can't say for definite. So even when you think, oh, you want to be accurate, there's no definitive, there's not, like you said, there's no definitive camera angle. But I'm pretty sure that it was a foul, and I'm pretty sure that ball went out. But, but yeah, I, I, they should have a definitive camera angle, stuff like that. But it just takes far too long. And, like, you know, I know there was multiple incidents in last night's game, but there was over 12 minutes of injury time. Understood. In the first half. Yeah. Um, my the favorite. So generally get one or two there was nearly a half an hour of full injury time, I think, in that match last night. So yeah, we gotta we, yeah, let me that's, that's too much. Let's recap the match a little more and then we'll yeah. make, uh we'll joke about it. So uh Romero, as a result of that penalty, got a red card and was sent off. Um Cole Palmer slots home the penalty. Madison gets hurt pretty shortly after, which that's the scary one if you're a Spurs fan because no, if we, I, if I mean, Madison, I'm, I'm more scared of Mickey being hurt, man, because his looks really serious. And even like well, shortly does. after that, Vandevin, who is yeah. absolutely class, and I will Ross already knows this. I will scream from the mountain all day long. If you're going to play that style that Spurs play, center back is arguably one of the most important positions. So, you know, if you're, I thought, I thought your boy Hoiberg, who I can't fucking stand. What he just, a match. There's something, there's just something about his face though. I just want to plant one of these suckers right there. He just looks like <laughs> I, I, something about him just pisses me off when all I look right, at him. Uh, fair enough. And it's the way he like stands too. Like he's, he's like, gets like a little T-Rex stance almost. But anyway, um, you say what a match. I've never Maybe even what a like... first half, but Dan, let's be real. In the second half, Tottenham had another play. Had Udogi finally had his red card completed that should have been given in like the third, what was it, the 18th I was minute. okay with that one not being a red card, but all the other penalties, I was 100%. He went studs up to yeah, but he barely aiming for his shit. Yeah, because the Chelsea player got out of the way. That doesn't change it. And that also bothers me. That's something. It's like if you... When a player commits a bad foul like that, we saw this with Bowen last season where he got out of the way of a pretty bad challenge and then they gave him a yellow card for simulation or something like that. But it's almost like you have to stand in there and take a dangerous challenge if you want to earn a foul otherwise or earn a red card. Like, yeah, so, was- I mean, it just so if he'd, if he'd have clattered Sterling, would you have been all right with a red card? Basically, the, the, you know, the intent was there and it was a terrible tackle. It was just lucky that Sterling got out of the way, really. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 if you look at it, it feels soft for the amount of contact that was there. But it's just it's just pure luck that Sterling got out of the way. But you can't say we're only going to give you a red card if you if you basically break someone's leg with a terrible two footed tackle. Like it's just you know it's just sheer luck that Sterling sort of managed to manage to sort of pull his leg out of the way. It was that I mean that that kind of tackle was they removed that from the game a long long time. That that looks like a tackle from clips I've seen from the seventies and eighties. And I mean, there's was, no, yeah. there's nothing accidental with a tackle like that. Anybody who's played no. will tell you that if you, anyway, yeah, if you've ever played football, you don't need to go with two foot forward like that. Even tackles in general, it's hard to, they're, they're a skill and you can obviously mess them up and get them wrong. But when you're doing a tackle like that, it's very much you're, you know what you're doing when you launch it. Yeah. Um, anyway, gets his red card completed with a second yellow that was coming anyway. So Spurs down to nine men. And this is what I want to talk a little bit about. They kept playing that high line. And oh, yeah. They didn't get out, give a fuck. It was the <laughs> images. The images. I, of I, it I, I'll tell you right now. I'd rather it's go like, down like that, dude. I would see, much rather go down like that than just to make it. Just go for it, man. Fuck it. Screw it. Once Chelsea went up, then just fucking go. Go balls in. Just who the fuck cares yeah, at this but point? But the problem is, Dan, they were playing that high line from 45 minutes on. Fuck it. 
Go for it. Play your style. Chelsea didn't go Chelsea didn't score a goal ahead goal until the 75th minute. So there was so much time there. But in that time frame, Chelsea had about eight breakaways where your goalie, by the way, unbelievable. He, he is a if he anybody a, gets a round that, of applause. I don't even care if that game. if Jack's had a goddamn. Let me finish this thought though. Victoria let me finish this thought. Damn man the match. So let me finish this thought, Dan. Chelsea against 10 man West Ham basically created like 0.15 XG, like pretty much created nothing. This is a team all season that's had trouble breaking down low blocks. Why the fuck didn't Spurs just go into a low block? They could have saved themselves a point. Again, with a million breakaways, Chelsea didn't score until 15 minutes ago. And then obviously then the, you know, the flood, the flood. Yeah. I, everybody is talking today. The, the general narrative around it seems to be like, oh, great work, great work. And, but ultimately I think that was pretty stupid. And, and that I think was it, way and I more fun it, though. And it didn't work. Way more fun. And it didn't work either. Everyone's you know, acting I, like it why was it gonna, I don't think it was going to work regardless. I mean, I don't think any play was always going to work. You're right. They, they could have sat back and just kind of do what West Ham did. But I don't know, just, Chelsea cannot I, I, break I, down I, low blocks, and they've been unable to break down low blocks all season. Going to low block. But anyway, I don't care. Spurs lose. Um, is this the beginning of the downfall? No, they lost a fucking. They lost down two guys to Chelsea and went balls to the wall for like seventy five minutes, fucking holding them back before they finally broke down. The series of like, events was pretty spursy. If by balls to the wall you mean your goalie stopped like nine breakaways, yeah, well, sure. balls to the wall too. And and Hoiberg was great too, man. He was freaking saving goals left and right. Also, he was freak. They just did. Was it? Yeah, it was a tactically smartest now. But did they just fucking say screw it? We're gonna go for it. We're down. We're down to down to nine men. We we haven't lost this year. Let's freaking go all out to try to keep our record intact. Sure, go for it. Why not? I don't care. Ross, settle this debate. Yeah, I I I, I quite like when Ange came out at the end of the game and he said, "Look, we're gonna play how we play. We're not gonna change," which is fine. And Tottenham getting a lot of admiration for you know sticking to what they do and sort of not giving up on it, but. There does come a time when you're when you're down to nine men when you think maybe we've got to change a little bit, especially maybe when just it's just and the thing is I don't mind if they go you're back clinging to a point fine but you're yeah the seventy fifth minute yeah you're still you're, it's you're one all in a game where you've got nine men you you have to think about adjusting just just a little bit but I, you know I don't actually have any problem with them sort of saying you know I'm sticking on principles and this is how we play but I just think they probably they could have been a little bit more sensible at that time but yeah, I can't yeah, it's like, I can't yeah. knock into too much. You could be more sensible, but then, yeah, there's like a, there's like a good and bad to it all. Because I do like the sticking to your guns and just like, all right, just we're gonna keep doing what we do, and we think we can break these guys down anyway, even down two men. And you know, obviously, it did not work. And whatever he went for it, he's and hopefully he adjusts and maybe makes a better decision with it next time. Maybe he'll want, to, maybe he won't be thinking like, hey, I want to keep our 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 record intact. I don't know, who knows what's going on there? He sucked to his guns. Yeah. That's the type of guy he is. And the players got to be more, you know, outside of the lack of discipline, they didn't really play too bad, you know, as a team. You know, so and that's just, that's the long short of the game. I will say this. When Spurs miss out on Champions League by one point, I'll make sure <laughs> I remind you of this one. Um, moving on, uh, Brentford 3, West Ham 2. Um so I had to go watch Lydia play soccer. So I missed the second half, but I was laughing because I was literally trying to do what both of you do. And I was trying to turn off my notifications, turn off everything. So, cause it was tied still, uh, West Ham gave up a equalizer. And then, you know, the way they played in the first half, I thought they had a chance, but 
I was trying to shut off all the notifications. And then almost immediately after the equalizer, I shut my iPad off, turn off the game. I'm ready to watch later. And the notification for the third goal comes through. And I just, you could feel the vibes, even not watching the game. You could feel the vibes that it was over. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, Ross, what were your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm just, I'm a bit concerned at the moment about how sloppy we look defensively. I mean, that's always been something under Moyes that we we haven't been. I mean, we've had some bad games here and there, but generally we're not we're not bad defensively. And that some of the goals that we're giving up was just they're just they're just really poor. That there's no other way to there's no other way to describe it. You know, there's we're, we've conceded a goal to a striker who hasn't scored for about three hundred games. Although weirdly, the last game he scored. I'm pretty sure the last game us. he scored was against us. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, it was for Everton, yeah, against us. So that that was disappointing as well. But yeah, just you know, like for that first goal, and the balls come back in the box, and why it was a terrible header from Suchek to knock it back into the path of whoever the Brentford forward was at the time. But I don't know why he's header in it because that was going straight out, or why the goalkeeper's not giving him a shout, and just you know, I don't know whether they're not communicating or Suchek has got no idea of what's around him. But it's just it's just silly little mistakes that we're, that, are, that we're doing again and. For the second goal, Aguirre pointlessly, needlessly knocked it out. And then from the corner, we've managed to give, you know, he's, Mavropanos has scored an own goal. I just think we can't not be making these mistakes. And it's just, yeah, it's frustrating because Kuda scored a great goal. And obviously Bowen got a goal as well. Goal. Slightly lucky in it, yeah. And Bowen got a bit of slightly fortuitous goal as well. But it's just, you can't go away from home and score two goals like that and to give up three sloppy goals. And, you know, that comes off of the back of a, you know, a disappointing performance the previous weekend at home to Everton and stuff of that year. So it's, it's not it's not good at the moment. As I said, I'm I'm not worried in terms of relegation or anything like that because I think there's about five crap teams in the Premier League. But I just we should, you know, we should be doing a bit better. And it's um yeah, it's just frustrating to watch at the moment. It's just we're not getting beaten by better sides. We're just getting we're beating ourselves by you know basic mistakes and just not not performing at the level that we need to on a consistent basis throughout the game. So it's just it's really frustrating to watch at the moment. Aguero is just, I don't know what it is. He's just a mistake machine. That guy, it just seems like he loses his mind a few times a game and panics and makes a bad mistake. And unfortunately, um, every time he makes a mistake, it generally seems to cost it, us a goal or a penalty. Almost always ends up in the back of the net. I just, yeah. the quintessential Aguero was the, you know, last season they had a really great first half against Newcastle. We're only trailing by one goal. And towards the end of the first half, looked like a good threat to score. And then Aguero just makes that dumb pass directly to a Newcastle play. Oh, that was the game that gave us the, uh, what was it? The Isaac and uh, Fabianski just standing there with their hands on their hips with watching the ball go into the net. Um, that photo, which was a pretty funny photo. Uh, I am, I'm with you. So it does feel like, do you ever feel like, by the way, so midweek we get an own goal from Ben White, just almost silliness. It does feel like whenever the universe gives us like a break like that, it immediately, the same thing happens. I remember yeah. uh, Matsuaku had his uh, cross goal against Chelsea. And then four days later in Europe, one of the players for um, uh, whatever the whatever the first team we played in Europa away, I can't think of the name, but one of the players tries to put in a cross and same thing goes into the goal in the Europa League like five days later. It just yeah, it's not always feels like is it? whenever the universe gives us something, a gift, like a Ben White own goal, um, Mavropanos scores one too. Yeah, it's slapstick defending on the first goal. That was the frustrating part. I think I counted the ball bounced multiple times in the box, which already shouldn't happen on crosses, things like that. But then it just felt like three or four players had a good chance to clear it. And yeah. So that was a super frustrating one. 
Uh, unfortunately, got to move on fast. You have Olympicos and a little bit of a revenge game coming up on Thursday at home. Hopefully, I will be very disappointed if we can't take three points in that one in the group. Well, we've got we've got that, and then we've got his other the Olympiacos, the chairman, other team, not in a forest on Sunday as well. So we really, really need two wins out of two. Forest just, you know, the way Forest played against um for Villa. They Villa, sat, yeah. they did exactly what we should have done against Villa. They just sat deep, let them have the ball, and uh yeah, so it's a little frustrating right now. I am still Moisin, especially today. Today pretty much reinforced that, Ross, because did you see some of the leaks that came out about um, you know, Sullivan basically just saying we like to honor our contracts and sort of just hanging Moise yeah. out to dry. And you forget Moise has been protecting Sullivan for three years, pretty much. And now we're going to, people who want Moyes out are going to be reminded of, you know, you can't, for me, you can't come out and say changing the manager is the answer when you know how much of a fucking circus the club is behind the scenes. And Moyes has really studied that over the last three years and he's really hidden the board who are inept and, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to fucking hire Will Still and then Sullivan's just going to be in the media trashing Will Still and we're going to get pumped 4-1, but everyone's going to be excited because we had to go. I think all the fans will want someone like Potter and think he can recreate the Brighton days and do that again. Oh, but, but people don't realize is everything that's happening at Brighton is the result of a really well-run organization, which we are. Yeah, not. no, I, I agree. But I think I think our fans think that Potter can just come in and do that all over again. But I don't think it's as simple as that. It's, it's frustrating because people attribute individual errors. They attribute individual play. They attribute everything to the manager when really the players are the ones playing. And, you know, they're the ones me. Moist doesn't go out there and he, do, he doesn't tell Ariola not to communicate with his defenders. He doesn't tell, you know, I I just don't know. At a certain point, there are things you can blame Moist for. I don't like the fact that when we press, we don't get our, like, if we're being specific, when we press teams, we don't get our defensive line high enough. So there's a huge gap between the midfield for and the forwards and the defensive line and a lot of space for people to run into and pick up the ball. So if we're going to press, we should commit to it and play a higher line. But at the same time, it's just, like I said, there's criticisms, but eh, people just blame the manager for everything. And if you think it's bad now, wait until the fucking XG King Potter comes in because that guy, every everywhere he stops, he infects that place with underperforming their XG. So, Ross, I know you don't believe in XG, but it basically means we're going to create loads and loads of chances and not score them. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, that's enough bitching about West Ham. Uh, as Dan knows, I came onto this pod pretty much every week last year and talked about how I was still moisten, still moisten, and a lot of that does come down to I just don't see what a better solution is behind him. Been your argument from day one. Yeah. I think I think I described we were chatting about this on Saturday, didn't we, Matt? And I think I sort of described myself as a bit sort of Moise adjacent at the moment. I'm not really sure. And as much as probably in my 30 plus years of supporting this team, he's probably been the best manager that I've ever seen. Like I think what we what you and I said the other day was the floor is what keeps us safe with him, and that we know there's always going to be a level that we're never going to drop below. But yeah. There isn't much of a, you know, there isn't much else above that, unfortunately. And that's sort of where I think a lot of our fans get frustrated. But in the time that he's been here, he has actually delivered a lot of success. Right, the league, the league was poor last season, but you know, we did win a trophy. 
Dan, what a trophy is when people win a competition at the end they get a prize and they get to hold this trophy up and they do a parade and stuff like that. I know you're not sure what you're sort of not sure what that is, but teams do that. So you know, maybe one day, maybe one day. They can dance. But, um, uh, you know, so yeah. you, see, you saw the manager, Moist, dancing with the players, and it was really cool because he doesn't really yeah. dance that often. You know, he's a Scotsman. That is disgusting and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> I vomited in my mouth every time. I just, it's the funniest thing is like, I think there was a video of he wasn't dancing and then somebody put on like, I will walk 500 miles. And he's like, oh yeah, like goes full yeah. girl over uh, the fucking <laughs> proclaimers or whatever. <laughs> you got it, the uh, proclaimers. The proclaimers. Uh, I don't really care about any of the results. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I, oh, is that mix up next to you? If you want to, <laughs> I'm going to be the moist that wakes up next to you. Oh my God, I'm here for it. <laughs> episode title um <laughs> there it is i'm gonna be the voice that wakes up next to you perfect um any other result i mean we don't have too much time left we want to talk about i mean we hockey. kind of dabbled on the whole debacle at arsenal and you know var in general so you know i'm okay you know i'm i mean i'm happy arsenal lost say that much you know what i will say last piece uh between gary o'neill and between arteta um the fact that these guys are like trying to whip up their fan bases into a frenzy over VAR, I really have to respect what uh, Ange said. And he said, you know, I grew up to, I was told to respect the officials and, you know, the official might not make the right decision, but it's still the decision they made and we have to respect it. And boom. I mean, it is because we're not, we're going down a Pure bad class. path right now. We're going Pure down a class. bad path right now too, with the fan bases getting whipped up into a frenzy. We're going to start getting more 10 minute VAR checks on things because they want to make sure they get it absolutely correct. And it's just, it's not great. The path we're going down. And I, I personally would rather just can VAR turn in the automated offsides that they used at the world cup. And, uh, yeah, you know, just sure, put cameras the on the touchlines too. do goal line technology for all the touchlines, whatever. Yeah. Um, goal line technology for touchlines, automated offside, everything else. I don't even want to hear it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hockey, 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 hockey. Hockey, uh, hockey, hockey, hockey. Fucking Jack Hughes, man. Dude, so all my teams this weekend either got disappointing, like heart, like rip wrenching losses, or absolutely mutilated. Like you had like Rutgers hang tough against Ohio State. You had nine man Spurs hang tough against Chelsea. Or you had the other end of it Notre Dame getting drubbed, um, the Giants getting drubbed. And then the devil's news happened with Jack Hughes, who was on a Gretzky pace. Gretzky getting pace. freaking Gretzky pace. Gretzky getting pace. freaking just, just slamming into his shoulder. And it was probably the scariest thing I've watched in a long, 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 long time. Dan, really quick on that note. Last season, I had a stretch between the Devils, Jets, and West Ham where I didn't see a team I like win for an entire month. Because remember, the Devils went on that like crazy, like oh, didn't bend, win a yeah, single game bender, in November yeah. or whatever. Um, and West Ham obviously didn't in the not November, whatever it was, the lead up to the World Cup. That was January. That Devils period. And then no, it was yeah, yeah, it was earlier, right. And and then I went to go see the Jets play the Lions, and then the Jets blew a lead with like very anyway, doesn't matter. That was fun. I didn't see one a team I like win for like a month. Um <laughs> yeah, so it's frustrating as Jack Hughes went into the boards hard. Nothing, nothing dirty about it. He just lost yeah. an edge. Um yeah. But it sounds like he did something to his shoulder, and he's week to week, which probably means several months. I feel like. <laughs> you never even, you just never know what hockey. So, like, 
Ross, in the NHL, pretty much they don't have to report how long somebody's really going to be out for. You don't even have to tell what the no, real injury is. I always find amazing with hockey injuries yeah. is they just say leg. And that could mean yeah, torn ACL or yeah. knee bruise, but it just leg, lower body, just... Yeah, lower body. Exactly. They usually don't even get as so vague as to what part of the lower body, just lower body injury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not freaked out by it. Um, a couple reasons. Uh, one, wherever that, who's the, who's the kid they brought up from the AHL? Not a kid. He's like a journeyman in a AHL. Yeah, I don't even remember. He scored a goal. He scored a goal, and he seems to be able someone who can hold his own. Okay, and I think there's just some depth. I think it's gonna give Timo Meyer a chance to step up now. It's he's not even that give... there's depth. They are stacked enough. They have a good enough roster. They should be fine. Like their top six should still be okay. Yeah. Your top six should still be okay. And, you know, they had a tough one. They got goalied against the Blues. Yep. And they went out and beat the Blackhawks. And they played, I thought the game against the Blackhawks was their most complete game of the season, too. Yeah, and and exactly. And he, and that goalie, that that Swedish guy they got, uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I know he's from Sweden. Um, he played great once we got to the second period. I mean, he was a little rough in the first, but he was like standing on his head in the second and third period. And the Devils still got the job done. They really did. Now, despite some average at best goaltending, despite some inconsistencies on deep, some lack of, you know, inconsistency on defense. Once you get down to the third pair, and it's kind of hairy for the Devils down there. Uh, Thought at first we were getting the Taylor Hall revenge game, but luckily it didn't work. Yeah, out. right. And t- of course, Taylor scores the. First. Well, that was and the. Oh, Chicago. go ahead. Like a team, like you said, like you said, they're a three-man team. It's it's Hall, it's Connor, and it's that other guy they signed also. Oh, they have Corey Perry. Scorey, right? Scorey Perry. <laughs> uh, he's such a he's such a fucking punk. I can't stand that guy. Um, I yeah, I will say they should be okay. I mean, the thing about the NHL playoffs, just get in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really all it is. You look at the East. There's nobody there, even without Jack and Nico for a couple of months. There's nobody there. Besides the, you know, Carolina and the Rangers that tremendously scare me. Um, Ross, what's up? So in this in this break where we've got no Jack Hughes for a while, what is what's an acceptable or what's an expected uh, sort of wins total? I'm not saying sort of specific numbers, but sort of what do they you need expect to be now? I definitely expect them to be like a, a plus 500, plus 600 winning percentage type team without Jack Hughes. Yeah, so they're that I deep that so they can still sort of do that even without... Superstar yes. Jack Hughes. Yeah, they need yes, the winger. Yes. They they depend on Nico and Jack to drive play because Nico and Jack are centers. Um, they depend on them to drive play, and it's not like it's almost like in the NHL when you have an elite center, they almost function the way a false nine would or like a number ten would in soccer, where they're kind of more of a playmaker and they're driving play and sort of make it trying to make things happen for the wingers. Um, and that's what's happening here. But what we're going to need now is we're going to need the wingers to drive play. Uh, Timo's going to have to step it up. Toffoli's going to have to step it up. Jesper, Jesper Bratt has been stepping it up. So, so they're going to have to change the way they play a little bit. A little bit, but it's it's not... The system they play is so freaking chaotic that it won't matter quite as much. <laughs> Dan, go ahead. Dawson Mercer's game is going to have to really step up for this to work, I think. In a nice I think season. so. I think, yeah. And he he's he's natural center, right? Right? He's a center now. Yeah, he, he was drafted as a center. He's been yeah, bad so, to start the season, but he did have a goal the other night. He did have, yeah, Blackhawks. really, really nice goal the other night, too. Good yeah. instinctual goal. Uh working like you know, taking what the goal he gave him and like making it work for himself. Um, he's gonna I feel like you might see him in a center role with both those guys out again, and just maybe like, you know, just to give that uh top six that 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 boost up there. 
He's going to need to step up. He's going to need to create, I think, for some of these wingers if they can't drive play. Now, Timo Meyer is capable of driving play. Yes. Brad is capable of driving play. Okay. Tyler Toffoli, maybe not as much. He's a little more reliant on having someone like Jack Hughes feeding him pucks. Because um, he was on a 50. I mean, it was like, this keeps up this year. He's going to score 50 goals this year if this pace keeps up. But I think he's a little more reliant than, than Jesper and Timo are. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I My expectations are still high. The thing with the Devils right now is they're deep enough that I expect them to be in every game. And right now it is like the cardiac kids. But I do wonder if we're looking, if we're trying to find bright sides to this, I do wonder if this isn't good for the team in a way because it really has been the Jack show to start off the season. I mean, as Jack Hughes goes, so have the Devils gone. Uh, a lot of the lines have been pretty poor, except for the fourth yeah. line has been solid to start out the season. Mm-hmm. But every night it seems like Jack Hughes just does some magical thing that will help them win a game or get points. Um, the quote from the quote from Fitz has me a little uh, feeling better. It said, you can never replace Nico Hishier and you can never replace Jack Hughes, but playing the right way gives you a chance to win every night. And this is the last comment, Dan, because this is something we talk about a lot. He said, we need to be able to shut it down and play on top of teams. We're working on that. We're getting points, but I think our commitment to detail is still developing. And I read that as they understand the problem, which is the problem is the games are almost a little too chaotic when, you know what? You saw it game five against the Rangers games, five and game seven against the Rangers, the way they shut the Rangers down it, with leads in those games was pretty impressive. Like they almost yeah. did a new style, like neutral zone trap where they really just made the game boring and the Rangers couldn't play through them at all. Um, And you've seen flashes of it. Like, you know, this team is capable of that type of play. And that's the sort of thing, like they're never going to be that big, fizzy, physical, heavy team. But if they can use their speed to shut down teams defensively, that's something that, that's something that I think that could cause them to really turn the corner and become a true Stanley Cup contender. Yeah. And that's going to be, you're absolutely right. That is going to be the key. And then also like just kind of um, supplementing what we have with the pieces that are missing, you know, like if Brendan Smith's not going to be that kind of physical sort of real true, like enforcer presence that also is kind of good at hockey, then go out and get a defenseman that's going to be that guy, you know, and supplement the speed. And then when you need it, a little bit of power, because you do need a little bit of, you need, you need strength and you need power to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can't just do it with all speed. It's very difficult to do with all, with just a speed exclusive team. Um, and I just, I think that's the, one of the big things they're missing. I do like the way Fitz is talking. Uh, I do like the way they, he acknowledges that the team needs to be more complete. And like you said, it's probably good for them to have this now to have to learn how to win without Jack and Nico now in early November, as opposed to like March, April, May, when we need those guys all clicking, you know, you don't want to have to learn that lesson when you're in the playoffs. No. And they got valuable playoff experience. So yeah, doubles play tonight. Um, they play the abs yep. 10 p.m. start on TNT, um, too. Yeah, ugh. yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, Ross, that's probably you could probably wake up in the morning and watch the second part of that game. Um, <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah, you, especially you have to wake up, period. you said you have to wake up at five tomorrow, so yeah, put on the devil's game. It'll probably be Dan and I will probably be up watching it. You'll probably catch it. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's not till Friday that I've got to do that, so not tomorrow. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Um, enough devils, enough footy. Uh, Mets hired a new manager. Um, blanking on the name, but I believe Carlos that Mendoza. Mendoza. So the Mendoza line gets a whole new meaning now. Yes, former <laughs> Yankees bench coach, I believe. Um, so I've done some reading up on him. 
he very well respected the Yankees organization. Apparently, he's very, you know, very good with all different player personalities. And there's a lot of different personalities in that Yankee locker room. So it's a pretty impressive thing. You know, you got superstars like Stanton and Judge, and then you got young players like Volpe and and who's that one that got hurt? Jason Dominguez is that his name? Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of different personalities in that Yankee locker room. So it's apparently he is great at that. And I think that's a requirement to manage a team that Steve Cohen's putting together. So there's going to be a lot of youth and there's going to be a lot of, you know, one, two year veterans, or unless he surprises us all and really starts making a run at like a, an Otani type guy in free agency, which I doubt. Um, but either way. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. If Craig council didn't want to be here, Craig council wants to stay in the Midwest. He was using the Mets for leverage. The Mets felt that way. Um, if that's the I case, have, I also have concerns about, uh, you know, his batting stance and injury records related to it. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway. Ah, God, that joke fell flat. Um, edit, edit. No, I'm not going to edit it. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> we're going to see what the, uh, we're going to see how the sausage is made. Uh, on that note, Ross's dog is barking. So I think we need to, uh, start wrapping up um it's okay <laughs> well that's been pop sports shorts once again i'm going to avoid thanking each one of you individually but any last I words i really enjoyed that though yeah did you you were so <laughs> the way you just like um welcome <laughs> that's why i enjoyed it it made for great made for great podcasting <laughs> you know what i realized one of the football podcasts i listened to the host thanks everybody at the end and i must have just been thinking of that in my mind uh any last words before we wrap up ross no i think we've uh i think we've covered it and frankly the dog has stopped barking so we're, we're safe now anyway but yeah that's uh yeah that's, that's we love your dog anyway yeah well she yeah she's become quite famous within the group now hasn't she <laughs> i think phil's number one number one dog fan yeah <laughs> yeah we all got puppies hi there yeah <laughs> dan any last words um when's aaron rogers coming back two weeks Weeks? uh at this rate never uh next year yeah, um if it's weeks, it I, I think they're gonna i think they're gonna in typical jets fashion they've come through the hard part of their schedule four and four i bet they fall flat against the soft part of their schedule that was funny I was, listening, very, very I was listening to the fan last night and they were doing their picks with it was evan and tiki they're doing their picks and the two producers are like yep everything's set up it's a terrible pass defense you know, Herbert's overrated. They're on the road. It's Monday Night Football. Perfect. We're set up for a perfect Jets win. I'm going with the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> That's and exactly two, how I two, felt. Everything was too... The two producers did that. It was funny. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. They asked me at work if I what I thought our chances were. And I was like, well, seems like, you know, if you really dig into this, it's a perfect opportunity for the Jets to get a win. So obviously the Chargers are going to blow them out. Um, <laughs> and that is what happened pretty much. All right. Well, that's been uh, Pop Sports Shorts. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Uh, see you later. Thanks, guys.